It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. everyone, and welcome back to a very different episode of the Pensburg Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Bahanna. As always, alongside me, fellow Pensburg contributor and co-host of the Pensburg Podcast, Robbie Noggle. Robbie, the Penguins uh, have been out of action for a few days, and it's still going to be a few more days until uh, we see them hit the ice again. While we wait for uh, the Penguins to meet the Colorado Avalanche, how have you been since last week's episode? For the most part, cold. Um, yep, me too. Uh, I mean, you know, it's been pencil. It's been Pennsylvania winter for the most part. Uh, but now, um, I guess it's nice to have a couple about a week off here where I don't have to sit down two or three times a week and be mad uh, that the Penguins are performing like they're performing. But I think overall, um, uh, outside of that, I'm pretty good. It's been another week, another about another week down here. We're into February now, which uh, it's a short month, which means that fingers crossed that uh spring is on the horizon uh we can all hope we were talking before i hit the record button on the podcast about my disdain for winter winter weather and uh you know i wonder if my mood would be different if i instead would have grown up in like a california or a florida that however is not the case uh-huh. as uh my entire life has been here suffering in the cold with the snow but 
That's that's part of the fun during the the meat and potatoes of the NHL season. The Pittsburgh Penguins playing some hopefully what's going to be some more inspiring hockey, as you kind of alluded to, once we get out of the All-Star break and into the second half of the regular season. But uh, until then, we are going to record this week's episode, and we really don't have a lot to talk about news-wise, as the Penguins have been off and some of the Penguins players, Sidney Crosby, getting ready for some All-Star Game festivities. As a result, uh, we're going to spend this week's episode just doing a mailbag. Uh, and we have nine questions this week uh, that form the the Pennsburg Podcast mailbag. A reminder, if you're interested in contributing to the mailbag, you can do so by following our Pennsburg Podcast Twitter account. Uh, every week we'll send out a mailbag tweet asking for your participation in this segment. And uh, typically, you know, as we typically do start the episode with a new segment, we'll go into the mailbag. But now we're diving straight into the mailbag this week. Robbie, as always, uh, you get question number one. Question number one comes from C Flarity 45 And this is a good question, uh, one that I really like to think about and will be thinking about as the trade deadline approaches, do you think Fenway Sports Group will approve of Hextall and keep him around if he just stays status quo with an aging core at the trade deadline? No. All right, question number two comes from Brendan. <laughs> uh, no, the answer, short answer is no. It's going to take, regardless of what happens to the trade deadline, for Ron Hextall to keep his job in the next season, it's going to take the Penguins probably making the conference final that or i mean going down to the wire in like a comfort or a second round series with like a carolina maybe like a seven game nail biter if he could make enough trades that the penguins are in position to be playing in a second round series i think then he would have a shot as the team stands right now can they make the playoffs with the roster they have you have to think that the talent is still good enough to probably drag them to a wild card spot. As for doing anything, it's going to take some work from the front office at the trade deadline to get the pieces to make them a, we even call it a like second tier contender for a Stanley Cup, a second round team um, at the best. So if they can make the moves to show something in the playoffs, then maybe he has a chance. I still think at the end of the day, short of probably going to the conference finals at the minimum, I just don't think Ron Hextall will be back as general manager next season. This summer, they they sat down with the new ownership and said, you know what? Okay, we'll give him a shot. We'll give him a year. He got the big names under contract. It looked good. And then everything else kind of fell apart, but they stuck by it. But if he fails this year, I, I don't see any way that they bring him back next year. And uh, rightfully so. He hasn't done uh, what's necessary to get this team playing at the level it needs to be. Everybody knows what the holes are. Uh, and unfortunately, those holes uh, will not be easy to fix. But he's going to have to try something. Uh, but I think anything short of a conference fi- conference finals appearance, uh, we'll see Ron Hextall. Uh, fired uh, at the end of the season. Uh, now question number two from Brendan. Uh, would you have traded uh, Owen Pickering plus a 2003 first round pick plus Kasperi Kavanen to the Vancouver Canucks for Bo Horvat? Uh, normally I like to keep the picks, but I would do this, especially, 
especially since we have cap space to resign him. Yes, absolutely. I would have, if the Vancouver Canucks would have either proposed this trade to the Penguins or, you know, the, the Penguins on their end would have negotiated something like this for Bo Horvat. Yes, absolutely. I would have done it. I don't think a Bo Horvat trade fixes and cures all of the Penguins' ills as they're currently constructed because I think there's more than one hole. But with the third line center position, uh, and Jeff Carter obviously not being that player that can drive the third line anymore. Um, I think I said it last week or the week before that originally I was in favor of keeping the first round pick as a way to develop the very bare prospect cupboard the Penguins have. Uh, I've since changed my tune on that and realizing that having the core back together for this last go around. I've switched my tune to be, become more aggressive in that sense. Trade away the the pick, the first round pick, is probably the Penguins' most attractive asset to this point, uh, besides maybe Teddy Bluger, and we'll get to that momentarily. Owen Pickering is a I don't know if I would consider Owen Pickering a high end prospect. Maybe for the Penguins, he is uh, he's probably by default their best prospect. That goes to show how bare the Penguins' prospect cupboard is, and that comes with the price of winning, uh, as the Penguins have done for the last 15 years. But going back to Horvat, yes, uh, I would have traded Kapanen. Kapanen and his contract, they aren't really doing anything for this team. The first-round pick is, like I said, probably the Penguins' most uh, attractive asset, and it will be, it will still probably be that first-round pick that, if Hextall decides to part with it uh, by the trade deadline, that's probably going to be his biggest trade chip. Pickering, Pickering has some value. He's obviously a longer-term prospect or a project just being drafted a couple of months ago. With the Penguins, with him being considered a first-round pick, that probably holds some weight too in some general manager's eyes. But yes, I would take the aggressive approach. The Penguins have many holes to fill, many many things to try and fix. Uh, and like Robbie said in the last question, I don't know if any certain number of trades is going to fix it at one, just one trading deadline. Um, I think the Penguins are a flawed team that uh, really aren't going to see all of their problems kind of go away in the second half of the season. They could go on a run and, and shock me and I, I would eat my words, come on here and say I was wrong. I don't see that happening. But yes, I maintain the aggressive approach to try and trade for somebody who can improve the bottom six question number three from Brian, what era of hockey do you think had the best goaltending? I want to say now because of how big and fast goalies are these days, but my heart wants to say the nineties, when you look and see how many hall of fame goaltenders there are from that era. No, it's right now. I don't really think if you really go back and watch tape, I mean, just the pure athleticism of goaltenders. Now you can debate, pad size and stuff like that but goalies now i mean they're just bigger in general and that's kind of i mean how the sport goes they're not uh, you're not just throwing your small guy back there hoping he can stop a few pucks uh, these guys now are elite athletes they are uh, the best of the best at what they do they are if you look at soccer goalkeepers they are some of the best athletes on on the pitch when they're playing they are some of the biggest athletes on the pitch when they're playing. So right now you just don't see the level of goaltending. Yeah. There was a lot of hall of famers from back then, but if you compare the stats of 
the Hall of Famers back then, guys like Grand Fuhrer. Now, I mean, Hashik, Hashik could easily, his talent could easily carry over. He was kind of one of the ushers of this new athletic generation of goaltenders, guys like Waugh and Brodeur, who brought in the butterfly style. Um, Hashik, who brought in, he wasn't really, he was almost like a Tim Thomas kind of, uh, would probably be your best comparison. You don't really see a goaltender like Hashik in the NHL, but you see plenty of goaltenders that rival uh, the style of Brodeur and Waugh. Uh, Luongo fits in that as well, and Flurry fits in that as well. Uh, all those guys, I mean, Luongo's going into the Hall of Fame this year. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury uh, will be going into the Hall of Fame uh, in the future. Henrik Lundqvist will be going into the Hall of Fame. Um, uh, Andre Vasilevsky, I think, is pretty much he could retire tomorrow and probably be uh, an easy induction into the Hall of Fame. Uh, just kind of going off the top of my head here, uh, I think a guy like uh, Jonathan Quick will get some consideration uh, for the Hall of Fame, he might not have had the longevity. I think Carey Price will be in uh, strong consideration. Uh, it's not every day a goaltender uh, wins a Hart Trophy, so Carey Price has that going for him. Um, I think Tuka Rask was maybe not a Hall of Fame level, but was an absolutely phenomenal goaltender at his peak. Uh, and now you have guys like Igor Shesterkin uh, with the Rangers, Ilya Sorokin with the New York Islanders, who have been just absolutely lights out for their teams obviously uh the trophies speak for themselves there but no it's right now the the it's not just their athleticism it's also what they're up against they're up against the best players that have ever played the game uh the most speed the fastest the game's ever been played the hardest the puck has ever been regularly shot all these guys are freak athletes and in the present moment is the best era of goaltending uh, we've ever seen and uh, it, and the scary part is it's likely um, as the game develops and as these goalies continue to develop and the young ones that usher in new uh, new styles new training techniques it's really the goaltending is just going to get better which is going to put the onus on uh, the other the scorers to get better so it's an exciting thing to think about but yeah if you're ranking the errors right now is I think by far and away the best era of goaltending in NHL history uh, question number four uh, from Brendan again. Uh, what would you re-sign uh, Jason Zucker at? He he comps, uh, compares with Pavel Zaka, who got $4.7 million. If we could do four point two five dollars uh, over two years, that would be interesting. I like where Brendan's head is at right now. Jason Zucker uh, has a cap hit of $5.5 million He that expires at the end of this season. Um, I think... At max, I'd be comfortable with a three-year deal. I'd say $4.5 million would be the highest I would go take it or leave it over You know, four point five for three years. I don't know. It, it, Jason Zucker, I don't know. I can't remember if we talked about it last week or if we've talked about it before recently on the podcast. Zucker is an interesting, uh, an interesting study because obviously the injuries have not really – benefited him while he's uh, while he's been in Pittsburgh obviously through no fault of his own no player you know willingly tries to injure himself but that's going to be something whether it's Ron Hextall negotiating it the contract extension or somebody else if Hextall is no longer here they're going to look at Zucker's the games that he's played the stats that he's put up in Pittsburgh they're probably the general manager is going to use his durability against Zucker in contract negotiations uh, however, Jason Zucker, you could make the argument this season has been 
the, the Penguins' best player. You could make that argument. I know Robbie said on one of the previous episodes, he, he's always giving 110%. Whenever he steps over the bench onto the ice, it's go, 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 go. And, you know, he doesn't take a night off. He doesn't take a shift off. So the Penguins, having brought the 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 older players back last season with Rust, Raquel, Crosby, Malkin, and Latang, I would do the same with Zucker, who is 31 years old right now, certainly closer to the end than the beginning. Not super old in terms of an NHL player, but once you get past that age 30 mark, I get very wary of what kind of deals you're handing out to players over 30. So I would go three years maximum, probably no higher than 4.5. I don't know. 4.75, I would probably be content with as well, but no longer than a three-year deal. That that would be the max that I would go for Zucker at that level. And like I said earlier, he is going to be fascinating to watch and see if he re-signs with Pittsburgh or to see what else he could get on the open market. But yeah, he, he along with Jari, it's going to be a very interesting free agent period once that time comes later on this summer. Question number five comes from Brian. Now that Bo Horvat is off the table, he was traded to the New York Islanders earlier this week. Are there any players, Robbie, off the top of your head that you would like to see in Pittsburgh? One of the names that's being tossed around, now whether the Penguins can uh, make this uh, deal or not, would be uh, Timo Meyer from uh, San Jose. Uh, a good, Still a good young player. Maybe didn't quite live up to what everybody expected when he first broke onto the scene uh, a few years ago. Um, obviously, you're looking, the Penguins' big looks are some kind of goaltending help and uh, a third center, which... Neither are going to be easy to acquire um, because they're so specialized and the peng- the, everybody's going to know the Penguins are desperate for this help. So uh, they're probably going to, any team's probably going to try to push the envelope on what their asking price is uh, as much as possible. And they know that Ron Hextall is not uh, very keen on trading uh, assets, especially draft picks. So you might see a lot of hard bargaining from uh, some teams that has have these pieces uh, that the Penguins may want. So Horvat theoretically would have been absolutely phenomenal in Pittsburgh. If it, the only way I would have made the deal that was mentioned earlier is with a guaranteed like sign that he's tr- sign and trade kind of thing, uh, that he ends up remaining in Pittsburgh uh, for the long term because I wouldn't be willing to give up all those pieces for a guy that's going to be here uh, for three or four months on a team that even with Bo Horvat was still uh, a few pieces away from being uh, a full puzzle in terms of winning a Stanley Cup or at least being uh, competitive enough to make uh, a deep run for the Stanley Cup. So gold, I I really think, I mean, it's really hard uh, if you had to pick one of the two, but with Horvat off the table, I always thought that was kind of a a shot in the dark kind of thing. Maybe you go back to Vancouver and see if they are willing to deal with some of the other pieces that you may have think of, may think have been, long-term pieces, but are actually, if they're going full rebuild, would be willing to move. A guy like, I know he just signed a new contract, but there was plenty of speculation last summer. Uh, JT Miller, um, bring him back to Pittsburgh, uh, bring him home. Um, I know that we've talked about a name that we kind of threw out there, John Gibson in goal. A long shot, but hey, I guess you never know if some salary can be eaten and the price is right. Obviously, they're not going anywhere in Anaheim anytime soon, and I'm sure he'd love to come back to Pittsburgh, but there's still names out there, still names to pay attention to. And yeah, once we get out of the all-star break and out of the bye week and resume, it's really going to uh, heat up here with 
uh, just a few more weeks to go before uh, the NHL trade deadline and the first piece has already fallen. So it'll be interesting to see what, if anything, the Penguins can put together to try to salvage something out of this season. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Question number six is from Brendan. Uh, I heard Ottawa is retiring Chris Neal's number. He was a grinder, third line-ish type of guy. This would be like retiring Max Talbot. A fan favorite, yes, retireable. Not in my opinion. Do you have any thoughts? I don't have a ton of thoughts. I mean, I don't watch the Ottawa Senators on a regular basis, but what I can tell you is that I was probably as surprised as Brendan was when he heard that the Senators were retiring Chris Neal's number. So I went back in time to see. I had watched Chris Neal towards the later end of his career uh, when I really started getting into hockey, but played over 1,000 NHL games, 1,026 games, uh, 250 points, uh, 112 goals in those 1,026 games. So certainly not a certainly not a, a, a flashy score by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, what Chris Neal was known for was dropping the gloves and sticking up for his teammates, accruing over 2,500 penalty minutes in his career, 2,522 to be exact. His average time on ice, just a hair under 11 minutes. So, hey, I don't I don't run the Ottawa Senators. He obviously, he did play his entire career there in Ottawa. And I'm sure he meant a ton to that to that fan base. Ottawa sh- certainly saw some some rather lean years uh, throughout the early to mid 2000s they they really and really they haven't been the same since they went on that run with with Craig Anderson 2016-17 eliminated in the postseason at the hands of the Pittsburgh Penguins they've been in a rebuild another rebuild since then if you want to retire Chris Neal's number he he played his entire career there certainly uh certainly a fan favorite a guy who was not afraid to drop the gloves a guy who was never a thra- never afraid to throw his weight around and be that kind of spark plug kind of player in the bottom six of your lineup you would expect jersey retirements for players who maybe have had a, a bigger impact in in a franchise's history not saying Chris Neal didn't have that. I mean, I can't really say that because I, like I said, I'm not an Ottawa Senators fan. Maybe if some, if an Ottawa Senators fan hears this and can kind of fill me in on the importance of Chris Neal, but for a glorified grinder slash enforcer to have his number retired, hey, more power to the Senators and more power to to their fans. I I don't necessarily see the big picture of it. Because, like Brendan said, he was a third liner, fourth liner kind of guy, and it's a good comparison in retiring Max Talbot's number two. Yeah, a fan favorite, but 
in my opinion, no, Chris Chris Neal is is not worthy of a, of an entire jersey retirement. Question number seven for you, Robbie, also from Brendan. Disclaimer, I do not want them to do this, but if they did, what could you see as the, a fair return for Evgeny Malkin and for Chris Letang? No, oh, geez. Um, your guess is as good as mine there, I guess, because I really have no – I mean, it would have to be significant. I mean, it's clear that – I mean, Malkin, he's obviously not the player he once was, but – He's still producing it over a point per game. Um, and as you know, the guys like that don't just grow on trees. Um, that's a that's that's a very hard thing to do. Uh, Chris Letang, up and down season, uh, some long absences, came back uh, and has been an impact on the ice of the Penguins, but it was a slow start. Uh, so, yeah, you hope that uh, he can rebound and everything says that he will. So, I mean, the price would still be significant. Not that it would be a i would be blockbuster in name but i think you could still get significant picks or prospects for either of those guys especially if the team was really desperate but obviously this isn't something the penguins are going to do it's not something that's going to be explored because obviously at this point it's pretty well set in stone that 71 and 58 are going to be ending their uh, careers in pittsburgh with 87 so yeah i think that i mean Guys that score a point a game, even at Malkin's age, that doesn't happen. Um, you have very good hockey players that don't uh, pull off that feat. So, uh, yeah, you'd still get decent return for both of those guys. Obviously not you what you would have got back when the, the Malkin to the Kings or Malkin to the Blues rumors were um, uh, very hot and very steady those years bef- in between uh, the Cups. But, yeah, I think you'd still get a decent return just because – uh, some of the pedigree is still there for those guys. Uh, question number eight is from Brian. Uh, Brian says, or asks, is Teddy someone, or Teddy Bluger, someone to trade at the deadline? He hasn't really been himself since Tanev and Zach Aston Reese left town, and his offense is non existent. From a player perspective, I think Teddy Bluger might be the only real asset the Penguins could trade. I believe Teddy Bluger is uh, an unrestricted free agent at the end of this season. And like Brian said, the the offense hasn't been there in 34 games. He only has one goal to his name, six assists, a total of seven points. He's a minus five. It's a it's a pretty far cry from the the nine goals, 19 assists, the 28 points he had in 65 games in the year before that, 2020, 2021. He had seven goals, 22 points in 43 games played. So it, is it really the, 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 the quality of teammate that has affected Teddy Bluger's ability to produce offense? Like like Brian mentioned, the departure of Tanev and Zach Aston Reese. And in addition to a, a lack of offensive numbers, his possession metrics haven't been that strong either. I mean, Bluger has never really been all that noted for his possession. He's really been a sub 45 Corsi four and Fenwick four possession or percentage player. But this year, especially he has a 37.8 Corsi four percentage and a 39.2 Fenwick four percentage, which isn't entirely great. If you follow puck possession metrics, uh, it's not really great at all. Granted Bluger is so he Bluger's obviously not known for his offense. He's, 
in terms of defensive and offensive zone starts, he is started in the defensive zone 87.3% of the time compared to 12.7% of offensive zone starts. So Sullivan deploys him knowing that he's going to be a penalty killer slash defensive forward. Even still, the the, the drop-off in play, the drop-off in advanced metrics, puck possession metrics, it's been one of the one of the many struggles the the penguins have uh have endured as this season has gone on and just because he's 28 years old he can play center uh and he's a good prop I, I keep saying good defensive player is his defense are his defensive numbers all that good even now I, I i just i don't know anymore what kind of player is teddy bluger that that's the million dollar question maybe that determines the kind of contract negotiation he has this summer um, but yeah, the, the Penguins don't really have a ton of assets outside of that first round pick that I mentioned. If you can convince a general manager that, I don't know, Casperi Kapanen still has some untapped potential or a change of scenery kind of thing. Um, Teddy Bluger, I'm trying to think who else. I mean, that just goes to show you how, how boring, how stale, how dull, whatever adjective you want to use to describe the bottom six, how lifeless it has been. It's been the Penguins' first two lines basically carrying the load for the team the entire season. So I really would not be surprised if Teddy Bluger doesn't get traded and finishes out this season. I wouldn't be surprised if if uh, he is not brought back next year. The Penguins maybe put Ryan Paling in that fourth-line center role and see what Paling can do on a younger, cheaper contract. So yeah, it's certainly not the best news for Teddy Bluger, but yeah, it's just, like I said, another one of the several issues that have reared their ugly heads when talking about the Penguins and their lack of quality depth to help uh, some of the older members of the core. Question number nine, the final question of the mailbag also comes from Brian. Robbie, who is a player that you hate, but would love to see on the Penguins? I have an unhealthy hatred for Mika Zibanejad for reasons unknown to me. And obviously I think the rat Brad Marchand is hated league wide, but he would be a good addition to this team. Yeah. I think that Marchand is obviously a name that pops into uh, everybody's head, like immediately because there was always uh remember that was there. There was, there's, um, that brief period, I think it was around the, um, remember when he licked everybody who just went around. Yeah. Licking that people? was just weird. That's just, weird uh there was that brief period where they thought that he was going to be a free agent after one season or something and he played and him and Crosby played really well together at the uh I believe World Cup of Hockey in that preseason tournament and there was all this talk about oh because I even think Marshan may have like I don't think he didn't like say oh I want to play with Crosby but he kind of made a comment and be like wow it's really great playing with a guy like Sid, blah, blah, blah. And everybody kind of was like, oh, my gosh, what does – could that mean something? And obviously that – I mean, Boston had no plans ever of letting that happen. So um, – uh, but, yeah, Marshan always comes to mind. A uh, name for me that maybe not as much anymore, uh, though I kind of was hoping for it last year at the trade deadline, uh, would have been Claude Giroux. Um, I think that he would have – I mean, obviously during his peak, he would have been phenomenal with the Penguins, but he was with the Flyers and everybody disliked him. And yeah, you, everybody just kind of wished that he was, um, uh, he wasn't such a thorn in their side. But 
everybody, I think, d- deep down secretly wished that, man, a guy like that playing with Crosby would have been uh, pretty special. So, yeah, I guess, yeah, Claude Giroux is definitely one name when I read this question that popped right into my head just because um, just because it would have been so much fun to have a shot like that playing with Crosby. I think a lot of people probably expect the answer to be Ovechkin, but if I'm just being straight honest, I really don't know if I ever – Maybe at the very beginning of their careers, ever seriously loathed or hated Alexander Ovechkin. Um, I think I think now I've grown to appreciate um, his talent and, and what looks to be on the path to break Wayne Gretzky's uh, NHL career goals record. Uh, just be kind of appreciating uh, what these two guys have done uh, this era. And I mean, it's easier when you have a guy like Crosby um, that has. I mean, the three cups, all the individual awards uh, to appreciate a guy like Ovechkin and appreciate this rivalry uh, that we've got during this time period. Another guy that I can't say that I I hated, um, he was definitely a this guy is really annoying type and he caused probably some bad memories for the Penguins uh, in the past um, would have been uh, Tuka Rask uh, just because what the Penguins could have done with even average goaltending uh, those years in between the cups, um, let alone great goaltending, I think we'd be talking about a few more uh, Stanley Cups in, in Pittsburgh during this era. So, yeah, I mean, that way, that that's a guy that I'd like to see in Pittsburgh. And another guy that I never liked, but I wanted in Pittsburgh, uh, just because I think he would have been a great addition. They probably never could have afforded him because he was a legit, legitimately great player. Uh, John Carlson, the defenseman for the Capitals, uh, never really had anything against him. I uh, never was really dirty against the Penguins or dirty in general, uh, but a great American player, a great defenseman. It would have looked uh, pretty sick on that blue line. But, yeah, that was never really feasible. But he would have been um, a fun one to have in Pittsburgh as well. I remember, too, the the disdain uh, in my in my younger years when I was a bit more naive. I would have probably said Tom Wilson I mean, I still don't really care for Tom Wilson and his antics. I don't know any of these people, any of these players <laughs> personally. Yeah. Like thro- throwing the, the name dirty player around, like t- to me, I'm kind of hesitant to, to, to label player a player or players as dirty because what constitutes as a dirty player? How frequently does this player have to act a certain way to be labeled as dirty? Matt Cook, when he was here, he he got that label. Uh, he was labeled as a dirty player by other uh, other fan bases. I don't know. I, I don't know, Robbie. Maybe it's, it's just something weird in my brain. Like, would you label Tom Wilson a dirty player? Would you like? Would you be throwing these names around to the to these players? I don't. I don't know if I would. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's a sort of slippery slope kind of thing, or maybe I'm just weird when it comes to analyzing some of these players. Wilson's obviously the one that sticks out the most I mean, just because there's so, so much history yeah. uh, with that. And it was like, so it wasn't just like sprung out over a long time. It happened in like a two to three year period. Now it's cold off a bit, but there was a very like short window where it just felt like every time those two teams met, somebody was, there was going to be violence uh, somewhere along the line. I mean, this is a guy that I forget. Would he break D- Dominic Simone's jaw or something like that with the dirty hit? Yes, in he, the play in the playoffs, I think. Yeah, Wasn't it the playoffs. He um, 
this is after he left. This wasn't the, when he was at the Penguins, but uh, Oscar Sundquist in a preseason game. I think that's what led to the very like twenty game suspension or something like that. Um, he was with the Blues then. It was a preseason game, I think, or like the first week of the season. I can't remember exactly, but he like gave him an elbow to the head coming across the ice. You had, man, that just feels like the list of Tom Wilson atrocities against the Penguins organization. I mean, it got to the point where it essentially drove Jim Rutherford to the point of like being trading for Ryan Reeves, basically blowing up everything that had made the Penguins successful in 2016 and 2017 that Tom Wilson was so far inside their head that he completely got away from the speed, speed, speed that won them two cups to we got to get tougher to play against. And now the Penguins haven't been out of the first round since 2018. So, I mean, there's, I mean, yeah, there you had a head coach that wanted to play like that, but a general manager that was so beside himself because a couple of his players got cheap shotted that he decided to kind of throw everything away because so yeah, Tom Wilson is definitely, I mean, if you're ranking villains in NHL or Penguins franchise history, Tom Wilson has at least recently been worked his way probably into the top five of of that rotation. Um, or the Mount Rushmore Penguins villains, I guess, if you want to call it, along with like David Volick, Tom mm-hmm. Wilson. Man, there's, I mean, there's just so many good options for the other guys that could be in there. Uh, Adam Graves is obviously a third name that would go on that list. And I don't want to say that this is recency bias, um, recency bias because it was just last year, but I, a name like Jacob Truba is going to get, uh, uh, thrown around as well. The kind of feels maybe not just because it's uh, one playoff series, but yeah, I mean, Wilson is one of those guys that is uh, uh, kind of like public enemy number one. And um, I'd say that Martian gets the rat persona because you know, let's be honest, he kind of looks like a rat. Like he just has a weird looking face kind of thing. Um, Wilson's just, I mean, he's just like a thug kind of like he, he never showed any remorse. Like Martian did some dirty stuff and he paid the price and the licking thing is just generally weird and probably something you shouldn't do. Maybe that's where COVID started. Conspiracy theory. Yeah. Maybe that's where like, that's just weird and you shouldn't do that ever. Uh, especially without consent. I know it's a hockey game and a lot of emotions, but that's not something that, I mean, you can be in a heated moment. I don't think licking someone's face is that's a premeditated act. That's not something that you just kind of um, do for no reason. But uh, Wilson's definitely more of the thug bully. Marshan's just kind of like that annoying little kid on the playground that won't just shut up and can never get in trouble. He just kind of like he might get a slap on the wrist, but he never. The teachers are just like, oh, he's he's fine, just who he is. Um, and 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 it helps that Marshan is a tremendous player as well. He's not just uh, some. Uh, some like fourth line grinder. I mean, not that, I mean, Wilson has some talent. He has shown it when he could stay on the ice that he has some talent, but I mean, Marshand uh, is a legitimately talented, talented scorer, talented player. So yeah, I mean, Wilson definitely gets kind of the, um, the edge when it comes to just being the bully, uh, a bully in franchise history because of everything he's done in Pittsburgh. So Tom Wilson's one of those guys where I would not particularly want him on the penguins whereas marshan like yeah if he wanted to come tomorrow 
I'd be like, yes, here's give me the dotted line. I'll provide the pen. You laid out some good descriptors there. I think I'm going to go with instead of dirty player, I'll go with villain for the the large portion of these players and how they've impacted Penguins history over the last, I don't know, 15 or so ish years since the beginning of the Crosby Malkin era. So I'll go with villain and maybe pest is, is, is another another word, too, we can throw around or bully, like you said. But that'll do it. That'll wrap up this mailbag centric edition of the Pennsburg podcast. Uh, when we come back this time next week, the, the Penguins will be back in action. They will have played at least one game, I think, against the uh, against the Avalanche. I don't know if they will have another game on tap before that. I have to look at the schedule. Uh, no, they play Tuesday, and then they go out west starting Friday. So they'll oh, have okay. one game back in action. Uh, maybe it'll give us something to talk about. Who knows? But then they go out west, and we'll have – in two weeks, we'll have uh, three – um, West Coast California games to talk about after that. So, all right, a late night West Coast swing for the Penguins. I'm sure that'll be great. That'll be great. Oh, it's for gonna me. be awesome. Yeah, for everyone who has to work the following morning and well, they're Friday Saturday. Oh, that's not then, too bad, man. Yeah, so I don't have to. St- neither of us has to stay up for Pens points for uh, the first two, and then Tuesday night the San Jose one, ten thirty. That game is gonna be super late, so that might be for I guess. Wednesday pen that would be yours that would be a here's what go just check our website in the morning and see what the penguins do. <laughs> yeah well we'll have something up for uh, uh, Wednesday morning for for everyone yeah. regarding yeah. that game but until then I have been Garrett Behan thank you so much for listening for Robbie Noggle we will be back next week with a brand new episode of the Pennsburg podcast so we'll see you next week. 